0: Love Talks Radio. Let's get lost in a better
1: place. Pick up the bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see.
0: A chance to escape reality.
1: Open your mind open your heart.
0: Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis, this is MJ Network, MJ After My Sister Marsha Joyce, and we have the author of The Hemingway Deception here, T.J. O'Connor is here. Anna Karras is running from her past. You don't want to mess with her. Catalina Reyes, you don't want to mess with her either, is running towards hers. Washington is trying to stop them both. Yeah. A rogue Cuban assassin is heading for Washington. A CIA operation is mounted by the White House to stop the attack, and I'm not going to tell you anymore. You don't want to mess with these two. But why does everyone want Anna and Catalina dead? The answer is Hemingway. And that's all I'm going to say. Good morning and welcome to MJ Network.
1: Good morning, Fran. So That was a, that was a good summation. Thank you. You have just saved me my first five minutes. <laughs> see that? I did a great job,
0: didn't
1: I? <laughs> Excellent job. Excellent job. I couldn't have done it better. Well, you
0: see, I've been reading this book over and over again because I have to figure out how to become one of those two. Seriously. So, in paragraph one, how did you define the word de- deception? Because that's got a lot of multiple meanings.
1: It does. So, you know, de- deception is, you know, sort of part and parcel of the trade of the intelligence community and, and. Um, the world that I come from, and anti-terrorism, and things like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, it's it's sort of a staple of all thrillers and everything, but nobody really comes out and says it. So the whole premise of this story is all about the various characters, and everybody's deceiving everybody. Nobody's really who they say they are. And, and even through the very end of the book, um, mm-hmm. you're really not sure who the good guys and the bad guys are, and deception plays mm-hmm. a huge role in that because it's really how the good guys win and the bad guys lose, is they, they, they're better deceivers, if you will.
0: Well, let me tell you, you don't want to mess with any of these guys. So. No,
1: no, there's are two uh, excellent characters, uh, the two women. You know, it was interesting when I started writing this. My mm. original draft was a male character, and my, uh, my wonderful agent, Kimberly Cameron, and I got together, and she said, you know, you, when you write your books, you always have a very strong female character in the story. Why don't you try doing them as the lead? So I said, wow, okay, that's, that's going to be fun. And, and I dug in, and um, I came up with two, and I'm like, well, why don't I just have two? And I'll have them at opposing forces, mm. one going one direction, one going the other, but they're really on the same mission. They just don't know it yet. And that's how the two uh, the two female characters came to be, and I love both of them.
0: I love both of them too, and I could really have a good use for both of them
1: if they were real. <laughs> Can we all? <laughs> uh,
0: without a doubt, yes.
1: <laughs> so,
0: Anna's number one. I like her and her ability. How does she create her own deceptions, and who caused her injuries? And
1: Well. Well, for Anna, Anna has a deep-seated past. And, you know, I'm I'm going to be careful about some of my answers, Fran, because I don't want to give away too much. But Anna was a guerrilla fighter in Latin America. Her parents were missionaries, and she lived with them and became involved in the guerrilla movements. And she learned her skills basically for survival and to protect herself and her family. Um, And ever since then, when you say, you know, who's caused her injury, virtually everybody uh, that's why she doesn't mm. trust very many people. Uh, she she left that world trying to escape her past, and that's and throughout the story, that's sort sort of one of the big underpinning uh, themes is she is Anna Karis. She took the her last name from her uh, yaya, her grandmother Poppy, and she's trying mm. to stay away from being that that you know rough and tumble guerrilla fighter who was in Latin America, named Anna Montilla. So throughout the story, she keeps mm. fighting the urge to be that person, but every time mm. she tries, she has to return to be that person to save herself.
0: I like that other person, though. Yeah, me too. You know, I know. And the other day I said, gee, what would Anna do in this situation? Hmm, okay. Sometimes you got to think like the character in the book to get something done in the present. You just... Don't know. Yeah, you
1: just got to be careful because a lot of what these characters do in the book would be frowned upon. (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) I know, but what can I say? When she speaks, people listen. So this was really amazing. Why did she feel compelled to find her parents? And where did she think they were and why?
1: So part of of the story... uh, is her, is her back story, right? So she, she mm-hmm. got separated from her. She left her, her missionary parents in, in Latin America to move in with her, with her yaya to go to college, and she just decided she didn't want to go back to that life. Well, then when she went down to try to persuade mom and dad to come home with her, they were gone. Mm. So part of the story is she's trying to find her parents to, to convince them to give up the missionary life and come home and live in Manhattan with her and her and her yaya. Um, and at the end of the day what ends up happening is her quest to, to find her parents ends up becoming a problem for her because that's exactly how the government mm-hmm. locates her and then blackmails her into helping them find Catalina Reyes, who is the other very strong female character in the story who's a uh, Cuban assassin who's sneaking into the United States to carry out a revenge tour in Washington.
0: Now, how does she find Sarah and Lobo? And, um, hmm, tell us about Poppy and William, and that's all I'll say about that.
1: Sure. So, you know, I tend to write. uh, Mm -hmm. I've got probably three traits in my writing. One, I tend to move very, very quickly. My agent has often told me that I try to knock out, a storyline in like under a week, and that's probably true because it moves pretty fast. I also tend to have a a few extra characters because they sort of come and go. Mm -hmm. And these are some of the characters that originally when I wrote the story were intended to be, you know, small characters, peripheral characters, but they ended up becoming very integral to the plot. So while on one of her trips to Latin America to find her parents, Anna stumbles upon little Sarah, um, who is abandoned? She's yeah. she's living in in a, in a gas station and a store thing with somebody who found her, waiting for the authorities to come get her. And Anna, you know, sort of takes her under her wing and says, you know, I'm going to take care of you, and you know, I'll help find your parents. Well, Lobo was with her. Lobo was a was a dog that was also I love that dog. Sort of a rogue woman. He's a great he's a great character all by himself, isn't he? Yeah. And, and and so she sort of takes them under her wing and that is where the story sort of opens in that she's she finds uh, Sarah she finds Lobo and she's trying to protect them and then all of a sudden these these guerrillas show up with Cuban intelligence in this country and and for certain reasons I'm not going to say where that is yet and then no. she has to defend them and is almost almost killed and that's how the story opens now her yaya uh, Poppy mm-hmm. is is her maternal uh, grandmother who lives in in Queens and William is her suitor he's a very rich entrepreneur he's actually uh, a character uh, based on a a very dear friend of mine who's been a big sponsor of of myself for years Mm. and they sort of are on the peripheral but every time you turn around they're sort of right there in the middle and they play a very integral role from the peripheral all the way through the end of the book, and then they get very deeply involved in how the story concludes.
0: So we have Anna, who I can't blame her, has a trust problem.
1: Absolutely. And then
0: all sure. of, I don't blame her, so do I. I don't trust anybody. Unless you unless you could prove that you're telling me the truth, I'm not going to believe you. It's, it's It's a fact. It's scary. But you have to be like that. So how does He's seeing this... Fam- Yep. How does seeing a man in the park set up alarm, an alarm that scares her? And what does she do about it? Who does she think it is that she sees from her past?
1: So so Anna is recovering. In the opening chapters of the story, Anna is recovering from what happened to her in Latin America. And she's, she's with Poppy, she's with um, Lobo, and she's with Sarah. And these men approach her and sort of walk on by, but they take big notice of her. And one of the men... She believes, because of, of a very distinguishing mark on him, um, that she believes he was one of the men behind her capture mm. and uh, near death. And she basically freaks out, right? How how could mm-hmm. this person find me, you know, thousands of miles away? And the only reason this person could be here is for her. That's what she believes. Um, so she's, she instantly begins to go into her, her defensive mode. She starts... Feeling Ana Montilla coming back, she feels that that violent side of that rough side of her coming back in the militant side, and so she instantly begins to rebuild her defenses, and she ha- constantly has to remind herself, hey, this is this is New York, this isn't Latin America, this isn't the jungles, you know, this must be in my imagination. And as the story begins to open the first few chapters, she finds out how much of it is imagination and how much of it is real.
0: You know, when she tells it to Poppy, she gets a whole other disease, whatever she thinks. Now, why does everyone call Hemingway, why do they think Hemingway, who is this Hemingway, and why is he so dangerous? That's the cool part.
1: So so Hemingway, you know, uh, when I started writing the story, mm-hmm. I had other other uh, names for this character. And and then, I, you know, I sort of played around with, with literature, and I said, hey, one of these people's a Cuban assassin. What's one of the greatest writers of all time that, that had a love for, for Cuba? And that was, that was Hemingway. So I took that name, and I, I began using it. And what Hemingway is, is er, in, the, in the beginning of the story, you find out the American intelligence community has intercepted communications talking about somebody named Hemingway. And through different things that happen in the story, they, they determine that Hemingway is an assassin, Coming to the United States, coming to Washington. Now, in the backdrop of this, and there's there's a little bit of history about the history between Cuba and the United States, wet foot, dry foot, you know, all the machinations with the um, with the former leaders, and and how that there's there's at different times an attempt to thaw relations and build some type of normalcy after the Castro mm. regime died, and they believe that Hemingway is. Trying to stop that, they they, they don't want that, mm. and that they've Hemingway here to cause chaos in Washington.
0: Well, we're not going to tell them. I, I I was like when I found out who it was, I go, holy god, how clever is that? That yeah. was really. I said, you know, I, I figured out something, and I'm saying, okay, it has to be related to some. But I said that was, oh god, that was really cool. So. Tell us, who is McCarran and who is Danny, and what's our history with Cabrera? And so this Bianco, Danny character got on my nerves, by the way. Hmm. Oh, I don't know good. about him.
1: Good. That is, that's the intention. So, so Dana Bianco is um, the vice president's chief of staff in Washington,
0: mm. and
1: he has a long history uh... with alex mclaren alex mclaren is one of the deputy directors of operations for the cia and he works out of the uh, the washington and new york offices they know each other and they have a short history going back into the afghan wars and, and other places where they first met uh... both of them are political animals they both have an agenda of why they want to find hemingway and in the process uh... they're rather duplicitous against each other so they're both trying to one-up each other. And at the same time, uh, Bianco is trying to serve his master, you know, the, the vice president. And McLaren is trying to serve himself. So these, these these two characters sort of have their own little battle going on. At the same time, Anna and Train have been and stuck together mm. to um, to go after Hemingway.
0: So we've got, let's go to the other one. Let's meet Catalina. What was she seeking justice for? And who were Ronaldo and Mateo? And who was trying to help her? I love Catalina, too.
1: Yeah, Cat was an interesting decision I made. So as I first started to write the book, um, I was focused on a strong female character. And what I didn't want it to become was a little too cliche where, you know, mm-hmm. it was strong female character against all the badass guys, right? And I said, you know, I work with a lot of absolutely excellent people, and and more than half of them uh, are very strong, intelligent, really excellent women that, that fill these roles that historically have been roles that men have filled. And And I really love working with them because it's a whole new perspective on – the type of anti-terrorism and consulting that I do. So I started saying, mm-hmm. "What wouldn't it be great uh, if the secondary character, Catalina Reyes, who is, who is called Cat, is mm-hmm. the assassin, and I'll put the two of them against each other, two strong women supported by the guys, but really they're the, the focus of the story. So I started writing them in together, and then I realized that I wanted them to be basically the same type of person, but coming from polar ends. So Anna is trying to run away from her past. She doesn't want to be Anna Montilla anymore. She doesn't want to be the, the guerrilla fighter, mm. the, the killer, the, 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 the tough person in the room. Catalina Ray's cat has lost that edge. She was Cuba's top assassin. She's lost that edge. But she knows she has to find it again. She has to become that person and if she's mm. going to survive the trip to get to Washington through the southern border. So the two of them are r- really on a collision course. Both of them are trying not to be somebody or to be somebody, and at the end of the day, they're really the same type of person on basically the same mission, just coming from different, different positions on it. Now, you asked me about um, Mateo and, and Re- uh, Ronaldo. So yeah. Ronaldo was her dead husband. He was killed, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons that she has lost her taste to be an assassin. And she thinks about him often, and Mateo is her son, and I'm going to only stop I'm going to stop there. That's with, it with yeah. Him, right? But Mateo plays a big role because part of her mission is to find a way to redeem herself with with uh, her her handlers and return to her son. So she has a personal motivation she's got, she's got a, a, a vendetta she needs to deal with. And at the same time, she can't forget that she's a mom. And, and that's, that's sort of the role that Anna takes, too. So mm-hmm. Anna is now looking after Sarah. She's never had children, but Sarah is, is, is an orphan. So she she takes over as Sarah's mom. And the two of them, from different angles again, are both feeling these, these conflicts between, I have this mission, it's dangerous. You know, I don't want to be in a Montia. Or, or the other one is, I need to become Cat the Assassin. And at the same time, in the back of their minds, they're fighting that maternal instinct that they need to protect their families. And it's, it's a constant battle between these, these influences on them that bring them to the head at the end of the, end of the story.
0: Well, you've you, you got to admire both of them, seriously. But I still like Anna. So who is Nico? And who is guiding Kat? Who is Father Martinez and why does he help her? The guy's great.
1: So, so as I as I built the story out, I brought uh, in several uh, venues, right? So there's Manhattan. There's mm-hmm. several cities and towns in Latin America. There's Havana, uh, Cuba, and mm-hmm. there's there's other places like Tegucigalpa, Honduras, and, and and places like that. And as I as I migrated Cat into the story, I had to position her in a way that she could have safe passage and places to hide. So what mm-hmm. better place than a church? And so so Father Martinez is uh, in the uh, diocese down in Nuevo Laredo and is one of her contacts from her old days as an assassin. And he was a contact that was a friend, not, not an intelligence contact. So she would go to him for refuge. So she uses Father Martinez for that very purpose, to try to help her find a way across into the United States safely without being killed by everybody who's trying to get to her. Now, Nico, Nico is another assassin for the Cuban government. And and all Mm -hmm. I will tell you about Nico is he's the baddest of the bad, Mm -hmm. and he has absolutely no problem with wiping out anybody who doesn't give him the answer that he wants. True or false, he wants the answer he wants, doesn't care if it's a lie, and if you don't give it to him, uh, you'll become a casualty. And he is constantly in and out of this story as one of the aggressors that's prodding Catalina on to fulfill her mission.
0: You know something? He's got useful purposes, too. Let me tell you. Hmm. Too bad he's not real. And maybe people I'm <laughs> serious.
1: I could use some answers, people. Fran, it sounds yeah. like you want me to build you a small mercenary army. Yes, I could
0: use one, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to have to build my own army next week.
1: <laughs> so
0: this part really got me. You created the flashback. Tell us about Ted and Cindy and what role they have, because they're in the past.
1: Yeah, Ted and, Ted and Cindy Cooper are in the past, and, you know, as as, as people do, as, as uh, Anna moves through this mission she doesn't want to do it she doesn't want to work for the cia she doesn't want to go back into latin america as an operative but she's blackmailed and at every step of the way Mm. she keeps remembering some of the things that she was forced to do when she was a guerrilla fighter, and and ted and cindy were part of that um I probably should should be very careful here because they do play a very yeah. integral role in developing her as a character, but they know each other in Latin America, and she is she is sort of reminiscing about how she tried to help them and the things that went on and, and what happened with them uh, that, that made her realize that she just could not continue on as a guerrilla fighter. And they were very important characters to her all the way through the end of the story.
0: Well... This gets more complicated, people. Now this was really cool. Brennan and Train I love Train. This guy's really <laughs> great. Yep. Yeah, uh, the other one but you're Brennan but Train, yeah. So why does he say he introduces himself as the Department of Homeland Security? Then he pushes poor Brennan aside. And Brennan wasn't a bad detective either. As as you know, you'll find out maybe. So and what does, does the detective do? What does he do, and why does he include Hemingway?
1: I, I love so, Train. So Train is, uh, in the beginning of the story, you're not quite sure about him. Um, yeah. Train is sort of the epitome of deception, right? He's, yep. he's the classic covert operative who works for everybody. He works for Homeland. He works for the agency. He works for himself. He's everywhere. Uh, he's sort of the, the, the freelance uh, operative for hire. And when Hemingway sort of starts to, to percolate in Manhattan, Train appears at this crime scene that, um, I, all I'll say with this, did involve Anna, did involve uh, one of her nemesis from Latin America, and mm. it introduces Train and Detective Luke Brennan. Now, Brennan and Train could not be further opposites of each other. Brennan is a kind of a... Lovable guy, happy-go-lucky, good detective, trying to do the right thing. Train is all about deception. He takes control of everything. He pushes everybody away, and he doesn't, he doesn't want anybody else getting involved in this. Some of his reasons are good. Some of his reasons are selfish. So when the two mm-hmm. of them collide, it's like oil and water. They just instantly are at each other, and every time Brennan gets a step forward, he runs headfirst in the train. And that is, that is sort of one of the other subplots that, that permeates throughout the entire story in that, once again, you don't know who's deceiving who. Who are these people and which side yeah. are they really on? And what happens when they're all forced to come together and, and well, one, end the story, right? And then two, mm-hmm. deal with this mission. What are they gonna do and who's gonna step up and who's gonna be one of the problems? And the, the two personalities, uh, I really enjoyed writing them, and I really enjoyed the conflict that was created, because I think a lot of writers probably tell you this. When they start writing, they've got one idea, and then their characters kind of take over, and they start doing what their character would do. And the next thing you know, you're you know, 50 pages into, into a, a, a session, and you have no idea how you got where you are, but your character's brought you there. And that's the, the story behind... Um, and Brennan. They brought me a lot of things that I wasn't expecting.
0: I wish I could do that. I just write about dead people. They tell their story from the grave. This way they can't backtalk me and tell me anything. It just a- works accusations,
1: very well. your book accusations was an eye opener. It's it's something different that that I've uh, that I've not read a lot of and it was definitely an eye opener.
0: I appreciate that and I'm all, I'm going to be believe it or not I'm um, braving this one. Partners in Crime is giving me a tour, April twenty fourth to May twenty third, and there are nine people that have already signed up, and I was hoping they would all be like you know book blasts or you know spotlights or guest posts. I got six people that are going to review the book. Oh my god! Well, whatever you know. Yeah, well we'll see what happens because
1: sometimes when I
0: I get some barely reviews from them too. So what can I do?
1: Hey, you know what, the the good and the bad, you you got to take it all. And it's interesting, I just signed up with um, Partners in Crime. I'll be starting out the beginning of May. And um, they said to me, hey, you got to make sure that you, you get with Fran. I said, hey, I'm on next Thursday. I, I said, I've reviewed her book. She's reviewed my book. I said, we're way ahead on that. So she, they were telling That's me about right. the tour.
0: He's dear. They love, they're the best, let me tell you. Gina's really good, and she keeps me on target. They give me, actually, you know, days, deadline. You have to do this, you have to do that. I go, give me a break here. So why is Poppy hmm, so concerned about Vergara and what he had to do with Anna? And what is FARC, FARC in relation to Anna?
1: So I'll start from the the latter first. So the FARC is the People's Mm -hmm. Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. It's one of the Mm -hmm. largest and most prolific terrorist organizations in Latin America, and in some cases the world, because FARC uh, is sort of an an unusual terrorist group. It's a lot like Hezbollah in Lebanon
0: Mm in that
1: they control people in some ways by giving them things, right? So the FARC... Mm -hmm like the government, they, they don't like the government, but they build schools, they build uh, medical clinics, they provide um, food, they sort of keep the people on their sides. They try to be Robin Hoods, if you will, um, by helping these villages and things that the government has abandoned. But they are still terrorists, right? They are still mm. murderers, kidnappers, extortionists, they rob banks, they do all that stuff. They just give a little piece of the pie to the people that are protecting them very, very Robin Hood style, right? So so the FARC is is a group that uh Montilla, Anna Karis, when she was in Latin America, got um involved with and I'll and I'll leave it at that, um, both good and bad. And that is one of the groups that she wants to stay away from. She doesn't want them to know where she is and she doesn't want to get involved with them in any way. Now Poppy uh, yaya yeah,
0: yeah, Mm
1: is having a hard time believing any of this right so when when uh anna at, is it opening chapter she's in the park she thinks she sees uh one of her nemesis from uh, latin america Poppy instantly doesn't believe her she's like you're still in shock you're still recovering from your wounds why would somebody come all the way here just for you who are you you're not important so she just is having she just does not believe that this is what's going on. Um she blamed Anna's parents for for all the bad things that have happened to Anna. She takes no responsibility. She blames her parents. And she knows that she's been more of a mother to Anna than, than her mother has been. So there's a there's conflict there and and um Poppy is, is trying to protect her. She thinks she's protecting her, but she's really hiding her from the truth throughout.
0: Mm hmm. And we won't say what that is because I was like, "What?" And the the ending made sense, by the way. Thank I, you. I agree with I that. I hope
1: so. It was a it long did, ending, yeah. right? So, you know, there were so many different uh, sub stories I wanted to work with. The ending actually took about five chapters, and I and I like that yeah. because, as a as a writer and a reader, what you don't want people to be able to do is get to the last chapter and and say, "Ah, I got everything," and you don't want to pile everything into the last mm-hmm. chapter either. So. Each one of those last few chapters, I dealt with one issue, and then each one of those issues, as it was dealt with, formed a spear, and it and it headed right to the ending where everything was, was completed. So I, I enjoyed writing that ending very much.
0: I, I liked it, too, because I finished, I won't say whose book I finished yesterday, very famous person, and I went to the ending, and I go, like, so what? I was like, okay. what
1: happened. Yep, that yeah,
0: it. W- I was like, okay, if this is supposed to be whatever, the last one, I don't know. And the, I, I got where the person went at the end. I understood why. It's just that like I would hope that he would continue it to find out more, but basically I don't care. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> she finds a video. What does that have to do with that, and how does Brennan come into that? And then Train takes over. God, I love this guy.
1: Well, I, I think the videos you're talking about were at uh, the Manhattan uh, yeah. mansion, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and i got to dance around about this a little bit because it's a really okay. important chapter. So, so Anna is um, is gets involved with Brennan because she's uh, brought in as a person of interest in a series of murders. And unbeknownst to her, she was seen in the area of these murders because this mansion had CCTV video on it. But the video captured a lot more than anybody expected, including mm-hmm. Brennan and Train. It captured a lot. So each one of them, Brennan, Train, and Anna, all have a stake in what the content of this video is. And everybody's scared about who's going to see it, what's in there, and what does the video really mean. But it's, it's very significant, and it basically launches the three of them down into the rest of the story after that is, is, uh, is concluded. I'll I'll leave it at that.
0: This is now. She's why is she she's staking out a building? Why, and what is Trains' relationship with Donnie, Danny Bianco? Because I got a question mark about that whole thing.
1: Okay. Well, well, Anna's in Manhattan. She's trying to find out if this person she saw in Central Park is mm-hmm. the is looking for her. So she's trying to locate her nemesis to say, is he here? She thinks she finds him, she thinks, and she follows him mm. uh, to, his, to his estate. And then from there, that's when, when the video comes into play, and that's where she's grabbed by the cops, and there's all kinds of interplay with Train. But it's all about her paranoia, trying to determine, is this her nemesis, or is it just a mistake like Yaya Poppy tells her? And then you you, you asked about train what's his relationship to Dana Bianco? Well, he doesn't have a direct yeah. relationship,
0: yeah, um, I didn't Train think so.
1: works you know train works for Alex McLaren, and McLaren is connected to Dana Bianco, but indirectly, mm. train realizes that he has to watch his back because he doesn't trust either one of them, and they don't trust him they're They're waiting for him to go completely rogue, and he's watching his back because he knows that he has nobody else to protect him but himself and that's how the three of them are in this little uh well once again a, a deceptive triangle between the three of them
0: well now it gets interesting who is dallas and where are his loyalties and what's his mission and what happens when catalina crosses paths with anna oh that is where things get really cool
1: yeah things things kind of heat up there so yeah. In, the, in the beginning elements of the story, uh, you're learning who Kat and Anna are. You're sort of getting a taste for their skills, what motivates them, what scares them, and, and, and who they don't want to be or who they want to be. And then they end up uh, sort of colliding in, um, in Latin America, in um, Mexico, and the two of them sort of come together with an explosion because there are so many other elements involved with this story that all kind of come together. And there's there's Father Martinez, there's Cuban intelligence, there's Nico, there's the people hunting Cat, there's the people that are hunting Anna, and then there are those that are hunting both of them. So they all sort of collide. And the second half of the story is really centered around that collision and all the different battles that go on um, aside from that. And by battles, I don't mean just shooting battles, I mean mm. mental battle, and who's going who's to win that game and who's going to win Hemingway. But Dallas is sort of a, a smaller character. Uh, Dallas is a, is a, a, a pilot. Uh, he is a personal friend of trains who does various nefarious things for him, like smuggling and other things. And Dallas, in the, in the first draft, had a much, much bigger role. He was mm. a much bigger character because I really liked him. The trouble was, when I got done with the first draft, I had to shave 25,000 words off of it. So, mm. unfortunately, Dallas lost several chapters. And um, we'll see. Dallas may come back in the future. I don't know. But, he, but he's a fun character. His loyalties are to himself and to I train. I like that. Right? And that's so, it. He doesn't care who train works for. As long as, you know, it's it's just training.
0: Well, before I forget, sometimes I want to forget, but I can't forget. I have three interviews next week, people. The first one is Monday, Santa's Agreement. Derek McGavin and B- McFadden B- will be here. On the first, A.K. Coretta, the Greenleaf Murders. On the second, somebody, I have no idea about her. She wrote a book called Operation Mom. She found me, and we'll find out what happens. On the 6th, we have somebody we all know and love, Vincent Zendry, is going to talk about the Moonlight Series. On the 8th, Jeffrey Wells is going to join me for Never Less. And on the 13th, this is a first, and I am so excited and proud. One of my students, Michael Taylor, has created something called Team Spartan uh, Team, Sp- Team Spartan Spades, and it's for black black young adults, Spanish young adults, and any young adults that want to get fit and want to stay healthy, and he's teaching them how to do exercise and workouts and stuff because some of them are, you know, victims of diabetes and all sorts of other things that are putting them overweight. So Michael's coming on March 13th to talk with me, and he'll tell you that a lot of what he's doing is because he said I have a good influence on him. So I am excited about that. That should be great in March. And there's a whole lot more coming, but I, I'm so excited. I'm so proud of him. So who is canon and why are he and Danny targets and who's after them and why? And why do they want my cat?
1: Before I answer that, congratulations on that lineup. That's spectacular. And, and congratulations to Michael. That is a great effort. Um, and, and I'm going to be looking for the link to that podcast so I can listen in on it.
0: I am because I, I li- watched his video and I watched the workouts, and I'm saying, you know something? He deserves to be recognized because a lot of people thought, and he even thought that he was going to wind up behind bars for the rest of his life. But then he met little me and my friend Tom, who passed away, and we straightened his, his tail out. And I'm really proud Thanks. about the fact that I did that. He's about—he's not that much younger than me. Ha-ha. <laughs> I keep telling him that. And it just makes me so proud to know that that we did such a great job. So oh,
1: that's excellent. Absolutely, excellent. And that, and that sort of tells you that people can, can make change for themselves, right? Um, yeah, There's a lot did. of bad influences. Society sucks sometimes. But if you want to change, you can get out there and change. And good for him. Congratulations. To yeah. Him
0: so who is Cannon and why are he and Danny targets, and who wants after them and why do they want my cat? I love cat.
1: Well, uh, Vice President Martin Cannon is uh, the vice president. Yeah, I don't like him. States with political aspirations for the presidency. And, of course, Danny Bianco is his uh, chief of staff. And Cannon is an up-and-coming. You know, he's, he's a relatively younger vice president. He's an up-and-coming guy. And as far as targeting, it's not so much their targeting mm-hmm. is. When they find out that this Hemingway assassin is coming to Washington, Cannon has been involved Uh, for a long time in trying to work the negotiations with Cuba and the United States to normalize relations. He fears that he's the target and that they're coming to try to knock him off because of his political aspirations. So, through Bianco, Bianco takes it upon himself to to get uh, train and McLaren involved to try to thwart this attack. But they also want to grab Cat. They want to know why is this happening? Who who do you work for? Because they don't believe for a minute that this is the Cuban government mm. would be so stupid. They believe it's somebody else that's hardliner. So, you know, Cannon and, and Bianco and all this group is, is really trying to stop the attack and they're trying to find out who's behind it. That's, that's their motivation throughout 90% of the book.
0: So who is Felipe, and why is Poor Cat blindsided and caught so often? She doesn't want anybody to know that she's that tough. So I get nervous about her. I don't want her to get hurt.
1: Well, Felipe is is sort of a uh, a secondary character. He's he's just one of the thugs that um, uh, uh, is running around Latin America. He's one of the key players uh, for Oso, which is... This drug lord mm-hmm. that operates down on the way of Laredo, and they have their own operation going mm-hmm. down there. And, uh, and unfortunately, Cat and Anna both sort of stumble into it in error because these people are, are human traffickers. They they run uh, coyotes to get people across the border. They run drugs. They have a, mm-hmm. they, you know they enslave people to to work in their drug factories, and that's that's who those key players are. And it's it's sort of coincidental at first that Cat uh, and Anna end up colliding with him, um, but he ends up playing a pretty pivotal role in, in the area and in what happens to Cat and, uh, and Anna uh, because he decides he can make some money off of these two. He finds yeah. out who they are and he decides he's going to make some money off of these guys.
0: Well, most people try to get people to pay money, and then a couple of books that I've read. In order to live, you're going to have to pay me a million dollars or whatever. And it's kind of hard when 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 bribery and blackmail come in. So it's oh, to find is. the the bear's den and what is Operation perro
1: So Oso, of course, means yeah uh, the bear, and and he is the drug lord. He is uh, uh, mm-hmm. one of the cartel chiefs in the Way of Laredo. And he runs the Bears Den, which is his base of operations. And they've got, uh, you know, they do smuggling, they do drug manufacturing, they do, um, cut, you know, they run coyotes and things like that. So it's, it's sort of the one-stop shop for corruption, which is what the cartels in Latin America sort of represent to us. And he's the, he's the chief guy. And he ends up becoming, as I, as I said a moment ago, he becomes sort of focus of the, the last half of the book in a way, because he ends up with all these players. He's got Nico, he's got Kat, he's got all these people running around his area, and he wants to find a way to make money from it. So he enters into the fray. But there's also a huge deception between him and the other players, because they're both Mm -hmm. playing off against each other. And he's a very, very dangerous man.
0: I like him, too. You need these people. So this this really got me. Now, Doctor Matteo and Cat and his wife and who is Cortez? Why? How does she get involved with with Doctor Matilla? Cat. Uh,
1: well, Doctor Matilla is is her father. Yeah. And uh, the mother is her mother and father have been separated in Latin America because they they of the uh, guerrilla warfare and everything going on. And Cat mm-hmm. ends up uh, part of her mission. Um, is if she can find them, she thinks they will be able to help her find Hemingway. Yeah. So one leads to the next, and as she ends up getting involved to try to hunt them down, she's learning things about her past and what could be her own future that, that is very, very complicated. Because as, I, as we started the, the discussion in the beginning, everybody is deceiving everybody. Nobody is who you think they are. And some of that is good, some of that is bad, and some of it is both. And when it comes to her family, she's finding Mm. out that she really is confused by all of them. So that's part of where uh, I think one of your questions I I, I assume you're going to ask me is how does she and and Anna collide? And what happens with that? Well, part of that relationship starts to build because of this, this problem that builds around Oso and the Bears, Dan, and Father Martinez, and, and, you know, you've got Nico, and you've got all these these, uh, characters who are all in it for themselves, all fighting each other. They all want Hemingway for themselves. They all want to find a way to get Hemingway, get a bunch of money, and then extort and blackmail and do all kinds of other things. And at the end, you've got Anna and Kat caught in the middle of this.
0: Mm -hmm. They know their
1: mission is opposite each other. But they have to decide on how they're going to fight all these elements at the same time.
0: Now, this was a scene that put a—I got really smart on this one. I won't tell you how, but I had a feeling. What happens when she comes face? When Anna comes face to face with her mother, and she has to really dig deep into what and in what happens without saying yeah, what happens.
1: But- that's one I'm gonna have to be careful about too. Because, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, they all end up being captured by uh, by Oso's men. All of them. Her mother, yeah. her Brennan. Everybody's everybody's sort of captured in together, and it's it's how they escape, and what happens after the escape that sort sort of brings home um, what the connections to Oso, what the connections are to Cuba. And what's going on with Hemingway? And all this sort of starts to filter out once once she finally finds her mother.
0: Well, that's why I'm leaving out this next question is where they blank, blank somebody because that will give it away. <laughs> I got that yeah. one. Yeah. This just proves people that I read the book and the book was very heavy and I have it in a folder because what I did was I stapled different parts of it so that I wouldn't hold the whole thing at one time. Then I read it twice. And then I put it well, in my folder.
1: As soon as I get my copies in this week, I think I I'll I want get my, one, yeah. Uh, I, I told you, I will have it packaged up and in your hands as soon as I get one.
0: I'm excited because the post office isn't bringing me the ones that are due in two weeks. And I can only read oh. so fast, people. And wow. there are a few that I'm reading now that I would like to not read, but I said I would because that's just me. What can I say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Plus the fact, if Gary Braver, if you're listening... I got your new book. It's coming out in October. And I started that one, and I may drop all the other ones. So if you want an interview, you better tell me because it's really good. That That is good. I got his. And a few others that are coming out in October from Ocean View. So how does she connect with Kat, and how do they work as one, as a team?
1: How does Anna and Kat work as one? As a team. Yeah, so – that's sort of an interesting, particularly the term team, right? Yeah, so I know. <laughs> sometimes, right? So team sort of suggests to you that they're side by side and they're, and they're one mission, one focus. They, they, they're going to win at the same time. Well, that's not quite what their team is. Uh, they're actually going for the same goals, but separately. They collide. They don't trust each other at first. Then when they start to trust each other, they have another falling out. And then as the story starts to conclude, you find out that both of them have been a little duplicitous. And it's where that duplicity collides that they they find common ground. So Mm. the team, if you will, ends up being really about their target, not about Mm. themselves. And that's and that's why I say it's an interesting thing because they 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 do work together, they work against each other, but at the end of the day it's it's the target that they're most mm-hmm. interested
0: in. It proves I read the book, people. Seriously. <laughs> it proves I read it. People complain about the fact that I read things. <laughs> so oh, well. tell this, tell us more about Poppy. Now this upset me greatly. Why did Brennan get fired? And what's in it if he sticks with Anna? Guy I like that guy. He's so cool.
1: Well, Brennan is his own worst enemy. So uh, yeah, I the know. the book, you know, uh, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a, uh, and, and I do a lot of work in Manhattan for my job. I travel up from Washington, and I spend a lot of time in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I get the honor of working with a lot of um, amazing NYPD. Uh, people that, you know, uh, the beat cops all the way up to the terrorism guys and some other people. Oh, nice. And they're just, they're just really great guys. And my son is a police officer. I'm former law enforcement myself. And I really mm. enjoy working with these people. And, and, you know, I think cops get a bad rap. And I know there's You're bad right. ones out there. You're right. They don't deserve it. Right. I know there's bad ones out there. We see what's going on from time to time. But, but I, I truly believe in my heart that they are those bad scenes are the minority problems. They're not the majority of the problems. So with Brennan, I wanted to paint a very typical Manhattan detective. And I have an old friend of mine from years back that I that I knew very, very well. I haven't talked to him in mm. years, but it's sort of based on him in that he's he's a happy go lucky, friendly, very smart, but a little sarcastic and fun loving. You know, he, he likes he likes his job and he likes to, to help people, but he is still, you know, a cop. So he has to always draw that line. And with Brennan he, is, he, he becomes involved with, with Anna uh, early on in the story, and he knows she's troubled. But at the same time, he's concerned that she's also in trouble. And then mm-hmm. enter Train, who intercedes and gets in the middle of them. So every time Brennan thinks he has a lead about these murders and about some other things that happen, he goes to, to Anna, he's just about ready to get her cooperation, and Train shows up. And he becomes so, so frustrated, he unfortunately begins to break the rules a little bit. And uh, by break the rules, I mean he breaks the law, and he gets Mm. fired. And then he goes looking for Train and and Anna uh, to basically find a way to solve his problem, find a way to to prove that he was right and get his job back.
0: Well, I have a very strange story. This is the truth. I went to get... I have glasses for every day of the month because I get bored. (laughs) I went to pick up my glasses last week and I walked out and and a Yonkers cop stopped me to say hello. I didn't know him. I was like, looked at him and I go like, why do you want to talk to me? Well, you're a little different and you're interesting. And I don't know who he was. He was talking to me for 20 minutes. He wanted to know about, I, I, I don't know why. And my husband said, they must want to think that you know whatever they're gonna they feel sorry for you. No, he asked me who I was, and I told him, and I told him I have a radio show, and then he was interested and then he went in to get because I told him to go there. I was like, What <laughs> and yeah,
1: it was like so strange. You know, that's that's great in my in my town of Winchester, which is about uh, ninety miles outside of washington d c that's the way the 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 cops are My son's a uh, a police sergeant here, a canine officer. And that's the way they do uh, the community. You know, I, it's not unusual. We'll be at night. My wife and I will be down on the, the Old Town area mm. having dinner, sitting out, and, the, and the, the officers will walk down and they'll be talking to people. And they, very, they do try very, very hard to stay engaged. And that's a sign, I think, of, of good policing.
0: They don't do that around here. I was like, I said, you know, the, the police officers here are not that friendly. I said, you've got to be yonkers because you're saying hello to me and you're really nice. I was, like, so so excited. I said, okay. Good for you. Well, you never know. <laughs> so what does Kat want, and why does she trust Anna? And how did you create that surprise ending? Because we're not going to tell them what it is.
1: Well, what Cat wants is justice revenge yeah and she wants her she wants to get back to her family right she she really does mm. not want to be this assassin anymore but she knows she has to carry out this last mission in order mm. to succeed and in doing that she of course is confronted with anna and train and these people but she also realizes the only way that she has any possibility of getting to Washington success is to embrace some of the risk that, that Anna Karras offers her. So they they've form sort of a mutual understanding. You've got your mission, I've got my mission. Um, you help me, I'll help you, but there's a limit, right? There's a, there's a definitive limit. Because remember, in Anna's past, she was also a killer, so she understands revenge, mm-hmm. she understands the secret justice. So that's driving them toward the end of the story. And the, and the surprise ending, um, I think all endings should be a surprise, right? Even in thrillers where you sort of know mm-hmm. what should happen and then you're looking for the what actually happens. In, in my case, there's there's three or four different problems that have to be solved and each one comes out deception is involved. And the ending is sort of, I, I do believe it's very unexpected. Um, I, to me, uh, and to, to the people that have already read it, it was very satisfying because it sort of wraps up with justice, revenge. Everything all came together but in in a way that I think a reader can say, I understand.
0: Well, I, I understood. And, and, when I, and when I realized um, what Anna did at the end, well, thank God for little Sarah. She's so cute, but I want the dog. The dog is very good. He he can take care of everybody, the dog. Lobo, if you want to take care of these people for me, I'll get you there. She, he's really cool. But I I understood, and I was like, I wasn't surprised. And I'm saying, this person keeps telling her whatever, and finally when she faces the truth, she did the right thing. So here comes my, my crazy question, because if I don't ask this, it wouldn't be me. Um I know this is a story, I got all these um, meanings of the story. Betrayal, revelations, deception, conviction, human bondage, fear, justice, family, betrayals, and leading to the dramatic ending. You see, I got all that, people. I didn't miss a thing. So, but where do you see Anna and Kat in the future? Are you going to bring them back?
1: You know, I want to. Um, I, I really yeah, I do. So, so, there's, I, I've, I've got sort of a dilemma that, that mm-hmm. all writers should have. Uh, maybe mm. they all do, and I don't know it. You know, I I don't make a living writing. Uh, I'm am an international um, security consultant. But I have got right now uh, my original paranormal series. I wrote a fourth book, and my uh, my new publisher is considering uh, republishing that. So they, they and with the fourth book, they haven't made up their mind yet, but they're thinking about it. And then of course I've got Anna and Cat in the uh, Hemingway Deception. That, that yeah. I love the characters, and I and I am very already sorting, penning out an outline for a sequel, but at the same time I just finished a new thriller with different characters and I love that story just as much. So at the end of the day there's three that I will probably write sequels to. Uh, The decision which one is which, uh, you know, I sort of think that my agent uh, Kimberly Cameron and my publisher right now, uh, Spence uh, Publishing, they're, you know, they need to tell me where their, their best interest lies. I want to do one for each one. It'll just be a matter of who's next. So,
0: well, I agree with you because I, I my publisher tells me a... nothing. You know, when you're self-published, they don't tell you anything. And with <laughs> accusations, I was lucky because it was the first time that she assigned me an editor, and Jonathan is amazing. And basically he was only there, you know, for spelling and grammar, but I, I conned him into doing content too because he thought well, I was actually- great though.
1: Well, I am I'm yeah. very fortunate. First of all, Kimberly is is an amazing agent. She she does yeah. more than just try to sell my book. She's a she's a good influence, a good motivator. But suspense publishing has been the experience in publishing that I wish I had had from the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and that's not to say anybody treated me bad. They absolutely different. I, I'm very pleased to have been with these other publishing houses. But I was always looking for that interaction. You know, a little bit more say in what was going on. Yeah, they don't and don't just tell me to go do this. Tell me why. Let, you know, mm-hmm. suspense publishing. John and Shannon have just been amazing to work with, and I, I have enjoyed this so much that uh, mm-hmm. I hope it's a long-term relationship. I, I truly do.
0: Well, if I if I ever get to finish the next book, I actually started it. People, I wrote ten thousand words, and then I got people that told me I have to read their books and review them first. What am I going to do? <laughs> So I, I would use John a lot, again, because if I made a phone call and called him, he answered right away. If I wanted different. to know something, explain something, he did it right away. And I was like, and I work with several self-published. I had my last book, Population Zero, was independently published, Never Again. That's beside the point. So that's what's next to you. And where can everybody get all of your work, and when am I getting the next one when it comes out?
1: You'll you'll be first on my list, um, brand for, for the that's good i need to
0: i need something good to the, look forward to people
1: i i just sent it to uh kimberly my agent to be reviewed she's of course got a long list of things going but she's going to review it and, and she'll try to find a home for it right away as uh when she's done um but they can find me at uh, tjoconnor.com all my books you can reference uh are referenced there my books are all in amazon and at uh at bookstores i will warn you the the paranormal series that started me out 10 years ago that's probably out of print because Midnight Inc. uh went out of business some years ago. Oh, back. sad. They're hard to find. That's why my my uh my new publisher is considering republishing those and I hope that works out with us. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh com, that's dot com, and I'm on Facebook and I don't do a lot on Twitter, but I do a little bit, but uh, you they can find me there.
0: Well, I do a lot of LinkedIn and they keep telling me that which gets me a little worried, is that there's like 46 people that check out my, my, my um, profile, whatever. Then do I want to pay them $100 a month, which I don't, to find out more? No, no, thank you. That's okay.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> I but wonder sometimes. Heart,
1: Grant. It's really yeah. hard. You, you put a lot of energy into it, and sometimes you're only talking to other authors. And that's, that's great, but you really need to reach other people. And it's, it's hard to find the right niche. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to make this work.
0: Yeah, I agree with you because what I'm getting are people from foreign countries, and I won't. Uh, I want to connect with them because I know what they're after, and I, a lot of them are just there. Well, you know, oh, if you if you help me out with this, will you pay me money for my you know? I I know, so I don't take anybody from certain countries in the world. I won't. And I'm very careful as to, you know, when I got a friend request the other day, I emailed somebody and I said, did you know this person? And she said, yeah, she was just on my radio show. That's different. I'm very, very careful with who I connect with because everybody wants something. But this has been fun. And um, are you up for panels in May or June? So I'm going to come up with something.
1: Yes, absolutely. Up for panels. I I will be at Killer Nashville this year. Uh, there's a couple others, and I'm I'm going to get to. I'm, I will do a tour of, of bookstores and other things. I'm still sort of putting it all together. Um, I'm again. I'm going to be on uh, Partners in, C- in Crime. I'm really looking forward to that month. That's going to be a fun tour. And as I as I get the stuff, I'll post it and I'll make sure you know about it.
0: That's good because I have to know. But thank you so much. This has been well, the you. highlight of my morning. <laughs> you brighten my okay. day. Thank you thank so you much, much. everybody. Everybody have a great day. Do something nice to somebody. Do an act of kindness because there's no kindness in the world lately. Everybody have a great day. TJ, thank you, and bye.
1: Thank you, Brian. Bye-bye.